Welcome to Bowman's Friends, a podcast created to connect and inform UK students of issues, events, and cool stuff on campus in the Lexington area. Bowman's Friends is a podcast hosted by UK students for the UK community. Our goal is to amplify student voices through advocating for equity, inclusion, and representation of all. Professors are not the only people who make an impact at universities. Staff members are people students don't see as often and are just as helpful as faculty members. They work hard behind the scenes to make sure students have the resources needed to get a proper education. Gavin Colton is a staff member at the University of Kentucky and is based in the Office of Philanthropy. He has received a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism from NKU in 2016, a Master of Arts in English Literature from Kansas State University in 2018, and a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing from the University of Kentucky in 2021. Gavin may not teach in front of a classroom at the moment, but he is still a big part of the university's success. Thank you and welcome to Bowman's Friends, Gavin. Thanks, Anna. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Yeah. So I guess we can just hop right in. Um, you were recently promoted from senior writer to major gifts officer. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your job, and what you think the audience should know about you. Right. Uh, you know, I was certainly proud to be able to come and use my, my MFA degree um, in the Office of Philanthropy as the writer over there and add a, you know, a bit more of a creative, I think, tinge than they were than they'd had in recent years. Um, and my work there and in central was not not all that different for me than it was in the classroom it was about you know making sure that students had access to you know all the all the things that they needed to be successful and sharing their stories with um existing donors potential donors um you know demonstrating some of the impact of uh, of you know how important these resources are for you know students to get educations here at the university of kentucky that are affordable and equitable so what was your day-to-day life like as when you were a senior writer? Like, what would you do for um, the job and all that? Yeah, we so our, our communications office was, or our team was kind of a, a service um, to both our central philanthropy team as well as our units around campus, our different philanthropy units and across, you know, 16 colleges and lots of different programs. Um, handling all the sort of storytelling and, writing and graphic design needs um both centrally and across those units um we we had a you know our creative meetings typically in the mornings um planned ahead um on on sort of what was needed managed a lot of sort of different than moving deadlines um, you know i think sort of my favorite aspect was getting out of the office interviewing students interviewing donors um a lot of alumni um you know, learning their stories, learning about their time at UK, um, and then retelling that in a way that was going to be impactful to both alumni and donors. Was there like one that you remember more than others? I think I remember the one of the first stories I wrote um, for a 1955-56 grad, uh, really nice gentleman from North Bergen, New Jersey, who came to University of Kentucky on. Um, to study accounting, he had looked up, um, he looked the University of Kentucky up uh, in a list of places where he could afford to get an accounting degree. Um, then when he arrived here, having saved up for, you know, nearly a year, realized that he was going to have to pay more for uh, for out-of-state because he was an out-of-state resident and quickly went back to the drawing board and, and figured it out in the end. Um, and years later, um, after he graduated from UK, came 
back and did some levels, some different kinds of work here. And that's where he met his wife, who unfortunately died a few years on from that. And um, this gentleman set up a, a scholarship fund in her name. Um, you know, she was somebody who had attended the University of Kentucky um, over the years and had worked here for many years. And the scholarship is in her name and honors students who are who have need and who are sort of demonstrating a, a capacity to to get in and do the work. And he told this really nice story of a student who, after graduation, um, mailed his commencement stole to uh, to him up in up in uh, the North Country, and. And he and he said it, it just meant a lot to him. He's a he's a he's a donor that doesn't require a lot from his um, doesn't ask a lot of the recipients, and he had it framed and it now hangs in his in his study and it just means a lot to him and a lot to the memory of his wife as well. Oh, that's really sweet. I like that. Uh, do you get to hear a lot of stories like that since you? Well, did you used to before you got the promotion? Yeah, yeah, that, that was I think my favorite aspect about about writing in the office of philanthropy was was hearing hearing some of those donor stories, uh, because they you know everyone has such a wonderful connection to their university and particularly here at the University of Kentucky, people have been coming for a long time from all over the country to be here and for many people it's the most special time of their life um, and they look back on them fondly and um, with a lot of emotion so to be the person that gets to share in that with them and recreate that, I sort of saw as a, as a real honor and a privilege to get to do. Nice. Okay, so you are from Ireland yeah. and um, you've been in Kentucky, either like in KU or UK since 2012. What made you choose UK for your MFA? Um, I knew I wanted to come and work with Crystal Wilkinson. Um, I had read Blackberries, Blackberries. Um, during my undergraduate when I was in journalism school. And I was like, this is some of the, this is the sort of writing I want to do um, that embodies a sort of strong voice and a, an everyday folk um, as a cast of characters. So that, it meant a lot to me to be able to come here and do that with Crystal. Um, and that was, that was the big draw for me. And to be able to stay in Kentucky, well, I should say return to Kentucky from Kansas, uh, meant a lot as well. This was where, I built up my village, as I like to call it, of, of friends and inherited family that I'd picked up over the years, or picked me up, probably. Um, so it meant a lot to be able to come back to Kentucky and, and be here. And tell us a little bit about your time in the MFA program. Like, what years were you here, and what was your focus? Yeah, I came, uh, started the MFA program in the fall of 2019, uh, so not too long ago. Um, and I, my sort of main focus was in fiction writing, um, though I delved decently into some uh, some nonfiction using my journalism background. And Julia Johnson tried to sway me to becoming a poet at a few times and uh, didn't quite work out for me. <laughs> um, and I was here for four semesters. I was, after my first year, became the editor-in-chief of New Limestone Review and had the chance to intern at the University Press of Kentucky with David Cobb, right before Ashley Runyon got there. Um, got to do a lot of stuff while I, was, while I was at the program. And I think having done a master's in literature with a sort of creative writing focus, uh, you know, sent me into the MFA program knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to have a, a full, almost finished book. 
um, coming out of the program, which I did. And, you know, it was a, the MFA program, a special place for me, or I think I grew more in two years as a writer than I, than I may ever grow again as a writer. And how's your book going now? Um, it has been out with several agents. It's out with a couple at the moment um, who are considering it. It's a collection of short stories um, based in a sort of fictionalized version of my hometown. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it examines people in their everyday lives, in marriages, in families, in school, at work, um, facing what I consider pretty everyday difficulties and and trials. Do you still write like that type of stuff now, like in your like free time? Yeah, I'm working on a, you know, I, I'm learning more and more that this is a, this is a slow game. <laughs> There's no, you, there there are certainly quick paths that I think some writers have been able to take, but for most folks, it's uh it's slow going, and and that's sort of that's okay by me. Um, this is something I enjoy doing. It's I think when I'm at my best, um, is when I'm writing and when I'm talking about writing. Um, so I'm actually working on a on a full length novel at the moment um, that I'm that I'm really enjoying. That is all over the place at the minute, um, but there's there's words on paper. And, Do you, you think know. that if you went to like somewhere else for your MFA, you wouldn't have developed as much as you did with UK because of your like connections that you have here and that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the MFA program here is is so fantastic in in so many ways and some of that comes straight from from the sort of faculty and the ways that they support and foster a really um you know a really important writing community um here you know workshops are are supportive places um and should and should be and i've as a teacher i've tried to recreate that as well so i you know i i can't speak to what it will be like I hear horror stories of MFA programs all the time about them feeling like shark tanks. Um, but UK was a place where I was able to get tremendous funding um, and work with really stellar faculty who I felt, you know, really cared about me and checked in on me and pushed me to, to produce more and produce better and to think both short-term and long-term about what I was trying to do. Um, and gave me the kind of confidence, I think, to 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 put myself in conversation with some of the writers that, you know, I adore, especially back at home, the likes of Roddy Doyle and Colin Barrett um, and Sally Rooney and folks like this. It was, so thinking about yourself in in, in, ter in terms of them and where you're at. Yeah. And what's your most memorable part of UK so far? Like, was it something with the MFA program or was it just because you were here or? You know, I, I, I one thing I never thought I would get into. I hated school growing up. Um, you know, I, I left school for a while when I was 16 uh, to pursue a professional soccer career, and then eventually came back. So I returned to school so I could go to college. Um, but when I started to teach at Kansas State University, um, it was a lot like coaching to me. I sort of got myself into that. It was something I had never done before. So I thought, how can I? How do I do this? You're as a TA, you're often thrust into these situations, you know, fairly underprepared. Um, and I decided that it was just going to be like coaching to me. It was a place where I was going to go and ask questions, meet people where they were at, um, and give them sort of access to tools to get better and to to be the students or be the players or be the writers that they that they wanted to be. 
So I think, you know, the chance at Kentucky to, to get in and teach creative writing workshops um, was a really special, really special chance for me. I, f I felt like that was, you know, for the first time in my life, was really in control of a workshop and people looked to me to, to create something that, that I had, you know, benefited greatly from, which was a community of support and empathy and instilling confidence in people around us. And I hope I was able to do that. Yeah. Do you have like a specific time from the workshops that you remember that you like really started to enjoy it and it started to become less like a, oh, this is stressful and more like a, oh, I really enjoy this. I, I think it's that, that moment in, in the workshop and you've experienced this in moments in our workshops. Um, it is the is the moment when I feel like I can take that back seat and all the the writers in the room are in conversation with another and I can sort of dissolve away and and things sort of keep moving forward. Um, and that was though I think those moments are always the best for me. And there was the first time that, that happened um, during my first workshop, we were over in the those glass studios across from Gatton Student Center. Um, they're really funky-shaped rooms. Yes, in, in homes hall. Yeah, really like funky rooms for homes. workshops, yeah. right? Um, and it just had some really, really strong students in that class who who really bought in and wanted to be part of that conversation and supported each other well and put a lot of time and care into you know, their critiques of one another that were both constructive and careful. Okay, this one's kind of like going off on a different tangent, but it's what is your day-to-day -day routine at UK? So like, what do you do daily in the switching between senior writer to major gifts officer? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm certainly still finding my feet in my new role and, and enjoying it. Uh, you know, I think trying to do what I do best, which is, you know, connecting with people and learning about their story. And, you know, for, for our alumni and donors, understanding how I can serve them the best and how they want to be connected to news, to events. Um, so a lot of, there's a lot of data involved in, in what I do now, um, you know, and trying to make sure that I can find alumni where they are um, and get get good information for them. Um, and, then re and then reaching out and spending a lot of time on the phone. Um, I also will be doing a lot of traveling in this new role as well so it's getting travel set up for the for the rest of the year and letting folks know when i'm going to be in town and finding time when we can get you know coffee or sit down or even you know get a zoom um, or a phone call organized um, so that we can do that make that as personal as possible i get the bus to work and <laughs> um, that's something i'm committed to here in the new year is uh, i get the number five in the morning around 7 15 7 20 sometimes it's late and uh, so I, I really enjoy those moments of coming into work and just I read a few pages of my book, get into my office. I do the Wordle every day. That's, <laughs> that's the first thing I do. Um, and, you know, I don't like to make phone calls to people before 10 a.m. sort of my rule. Um, so I get a lot of the administration, the administrative tasks done before 10 o'clock. And that's really when I think about kind of showtime. I gear up to that 10 a.m mark and that's when i make my first phone call um then i generally take lunch around this time around noon noon 30. um 
which is always a nice time to just sort of read and switch off and, and stretch my legs. <laughs> no one prepared me growing up to sit at a desk for most of my day. Yeah, especially going from like a retail job probably or like a teaching job where you right. stand a lot and then just sitting at a desk which is a very big change yeah i'm I, i'm i've got three windows but thankfully i'm i'm up high enough where no one can really see in at like when i'm doing leg swings and <laughs> squats just to get my <laughs> legs going again okay and then what's the difference like when you were a um instructor at UK so like when you were teaching 207 and 107 English 207 and 107 what's the difference in like what your day life was like then and what it is now yeah it's despite still being in higher ed this I'm I'm in less of an academic track now where you know those semesters always feel like you know mini marathons or you know sort of big sprints I should say um, where there's a lot that happens over the course of you know 16 17 18 weeks now there's sort of a bit more steadiness and flow to to what I'm doing, um, and there's le- there are fewer peaks and valleys throughout the year. Um, every day, you know, there's there's pros and cons to being in an office every day at 8 a.m. Some of the some of the pros is you know the steadiness of it and knowing that okay, well I wake up at my alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and I've got a couple of hours to do things before I need to be in the office. Um, but you know, when you're when you're an instructor, it's there's some there's some freedom to. Well, I don't teach till two p.m. and I can fill my day. I can grade. I if I'm ahead of myself and I've decided to work the evening before, sometimes I can get out and play golf before <laughs> before I go and teach. And you're sort of more in charge of your day in that sense. And I haven't decided which which I prefer yet. I sort of enjoy aspects of both. My next question was actually, would you ever go back to being an instructor, even part-time, even if they asked you? Yeah. You know, one thing I've been able to do, you know, since since graduating and not having a, you know, a, t- a teaching position was start to teach at the Carnegie Center, um, our literacy and arts center here in Lexington. And I teach workshops there, which has just been, you know, a fantastic opportunity to continue to teach and teach new, new subjects material and work with this sort of different demographic of of writer as well you know we the category welcomes writers of sort of every level of experience and age and you know sort of interest so it's been a lot of fun to have a lot of autonomy over these 10-week courses and i met some fantastic some t- fantastic other writers and built up a smaller community for myself i do think you know i I would like to get back teaching at some point. Um, it's, you know, it's a uh, it's slow going sometimes out there on the to be looking at creative writing jobs. Um, and the big thing I think will be continue to bolster my publishing portfolio before I start to think about that. So I've got another few years and consider myself at 29 pretty early, early on in my career, and I'm not really in a rush. But you know, I th- I think sometimes I'm at my best when I'm teaching. Um, I, f- I think I feel most passionate in those moments where where I'm seeing a writer go f- realize that they're that they've got this that they that they're really onto something. Yeah, I remember when I had your class. Your class was the one that I enjoyed the most out of any of the English creative writing classes that I've had, like the workshops, because you just you led it with such like care and like you weren't just doing it. You actually cared about our work and you always actually gave us feedback and so. I remember that was really nice. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> and do you have any advice for students seeking MFAs? 
Yeah. Yeah, I I think you be patient. I'm, I've been working with some uh, MFA applicants re of late. Some have just got their uh, applications into Kentucky within the last week or two. Um, I think it's about being patient. I applied to five MFA programs uh, after undergrad and didn't get into any of them. Um, they're competitive. A lot of people want to do them. Um, I think it's about finding a program that's going to be the right fit for you and deciding why you want an MFA and why you want an MFA right now I think is is important to think about as well. Um, I don't think I was ready coming out of undergrad to to get the most out of an MFA and thankfully I had a, um, a fantastic mentor at Northern Kentucky who said to me, you might consider getting a master's in literature um, because I hadn't taken any you know, English classes really at the college level um, outside of one and she said that you know, give yourself a little bit more time to be to build up an arsenal of of knowledge, and more time to spend working on my craft. Um, but yeah, it's it's not always the the Syracuse, the Brown, the Princeton's. The it's not always those big sort of traditionally exceptional schools that are going to have that are going to be the best fit for every single writer. So I think it's important to try and connect with department managers, faculty, alumni, existing students within those programs and and learn a lot and and learn about what it's like. Um, you know, if you're going to be teaching, you should know what you're you should be asking those students is it am I going to be able to live on on this stipend in this city for 2, 3, 4 years? Um and get get as much information as you can. There's lots of interesting places to get MFAs. Okay. There's a great Facebook group I should plug called the uh, the MFA Draft. There's one every year, so it's MFA Draft 21 or 22, coming up 23. Um, this really great and uh, really good community of folks where that sort of undoes any gatekeeping that might be there, and people are sometimes overly frank about about different MFA programs yeah. and their experiences. <laughs> so that that's a smashing resource that that I enjoyed a lot. Okay, and the last question I have is, it's more of just like a silly fun question. Do you still play soccer? And if you don't, do you miss it? Uh, I, I do on Monday nights. Um, I play with, you know, a lot of my best friends here in town. We're all, we're all you know, usually a lot older than the guys we're playing against. Um, but a lot of us have played at a good level and we get around okay. We're playing tonight, seven forty-five. It's to get us into the to get us into the tournament next week. Ooh, fun! Yeah. Are you yeah. excited for the tournament? Yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> Keeps me moving. Do you have any last words that you want to say about UK, about the philanthropy office, or about MFAs or anything? You know, it's been it's been really interesting to be at somewhere, especially as the University of Kentucky, both as a student and then as a staff member over a fairly short you know, short span of time. Um, and it's it's been great to see it from both sides and to see the kind of work that the university does to to do all the things that they that they say they do, you know, and that's about providing first class educations and making them affordable and equitable to to all students. And I've felt that both as a student and I've been able to see it as a staff member and tell some of those stories along the way and and that's for me, that's really important. That's a really great thing to be a part of and really important to me so early on in my career is to be part of something I think that's 
good-hearted and well-meaning. All right. Well, thank you for being on Bowman's Friends. I hope you had fun. I hope you were able to tell your story a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. I get to sit in front of a microphone, which I usually only do during soccer season <laughs> with Dave Baker. So Fair. slightly <laughs> different speed here for me. <laughs> and it's talking about slightly different things. Right. Thank you guys for listening to Bowman's Friends. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Bowman's Friends to stay up to date on our upcoming episodes. New episodes go live every Tuesday and Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to DM us with topics you want us to cover or guests you want to hear from.